We're so grateful that you're here. We pray that God would manifest his presence and his power in your life. And for those of you that are guests, we're in Ephesians chapter 6. We started the book of Ephesians in January, and we're going to take it really slow toward the end. Because if we don't take it slow, we're going to miss the pieces of the armor. And I told you last week as we studied and as we talked together that there was a particular word, the word stand, appears multiple times in the text. And when a word appears multiple times in the text, it is for us to get a grip and a handle on so that we'll understand under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit what Paul was writing about. So we we read the word stand, and I want you to go to verse 14 and 15, verses 14 and 15. We covered 10 through 13. Here's what Paul says. Stand, therefore. He's already told us to stand two times. Now stand for the third time, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So when you think about this word stand, I want you to understand what it really means because Paul is trying to tell us that we as Christians, we stand in the victory that is already ours. You you don't go after Satan, you don't run and chase. There are people that pray to Satan and they never pray to God. They're too busy talking to Satan and praying about the demons and getting everything out of here. Listen, if you submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit yourself therefore to God as a position of standing in Christ in the victory that is already ours. So we stand. And when we do anything, everything else, we continue to stand. And when the enemy continues to attack, we continue to stand in him. Because he, in us, makes us immovable. And he makes us powerful in him. So we don't stand in our own wobbly strength. We stand in the spikes of the gospel, of the good news, of the peace of God that came through Jesus Christ and gives me the ability to stand today. You can stand when your marriage is falling apart. You can stand when things are falling apart around you in your job. You can stand because the victory is already yours in Christ. So we now appropriate the victory that we already have in him. And the way that you appropriate the victory of standing is you walk by faith. And when you walk by faith, you are always at a point of desperation for God to do what only God can do. So this word stand, look at it in verse 14. Stand therefore. Let me give you what this word means in the original language because I think it will make a good help for all of us today. Do you remember when you take family pictures or a portrait and you would kind of stand at ease? And they would be changed, this is old school, they would be changing the backdrop behind you, and you would be standing in these different positions, you know, we'd stand like this, or you'd stand like this, and you just kind of would stand at ease, because the photographer would kind of tell you, I need you to lean in, I need you to lean out. It was not that difficult, it was not that hard to follow. But let's take it up a little notch, let's go to an abiding stance. When you go to H-E-B, When you go to ATB, you have to kind of get in an abiding stance. You're not really standing at ease as you're checking out at the counter or or self-check, but you're kind of standing in an abiding stance. You're using your peripheral vision to kind of see what's around because, you know, it's not that stressful at ATB, but you still have to be aware of your surroundings. But let's take it to the level of what this word stand means. It means to go to Walmart on a Friday night. 
If you've never been to Walmart on a Friday night, if you want some fun, if you just want free fun, just you, you, I ain't going to tell you where I live, but there's some stuff at Walmart that only happens at Walmart and stays at Walmart. But when you go shopping at Walmart on a Friday night, you better stand, not in a position of ease, not in an abiding stance. You better stand in an immovable way because somebody's going to cut you off and somebody's going to cut in on you. And the idea is Paul uses this word stand to say the gospel of grace that Jesus is the King and the Savior of the world, helps you and I to stand in an immovable way and a way that we use peripheral vision as we see the enemy and the attacks of the enemy, we stand in the victory that's already ours. That's what Paul says. Notice the text. Verse 14, stand therefore, which means what it's there for, so you can stand, tying in everything, having girded your waist or your loins with truth. So the idea is, in biblical days and the armor that Paul would be referring to would be sort of a belt that would hold everything together. It would be a wide belt. It would be a belt where these people, where they would wear a long tunic, they couldn't run, they couldn't defend themselves, they couldn't fight. So what they would do is they would tuck it into the belt. The belt was what held all of the armor together. So in your life and in my life, truth makes us immovable. Truth helps us to put down the anchor of the soul in our lives so that we can stand in the victory that is already ours. Having girded your waist with truth. The idea of the word gird your loins or gird your waist would be referring to the last five vertebrae in your back. If you've ever had back problems, and I have, you notice how you can't stand and everything else hurts. The idea is the gospel. The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the anchor to our soul. And when we stand with the belt of truth, it holds everything else up in our life. So we focus on not information. The gospel is not information about Jesus. It's the transformation that can happen when a person puts their faith into Jesus. You move from information about a person to transformation in a person and that life of transformation is the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says the enemy's going to attack. The enemy's going to come. Be battle ready and I need you to do one thing. I need you to stand. So Paul says in verse 14 that you gird your waist with truth. Can we talk about that for a minute? Make sure that the Bible is your source of authority. Not only is the Bible your source of authority, but it is your final source of authority. Students, when you go back to school tomorrow, when they tell you in science class a bunch of hooey, that things just kind of exploded in, I don't know what that word means, but a bunch of stuff that you believe the Bible says that God created the heavens and the earth. When you go to psychology class and you have somebody tell you that the problem with you is what you're related to in your environment, no, you say the truth is all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God because truth is fixed on the belt and the belt is fixed in Jesus Christ. So we know that our problem is not the environment, our problem is our sin nature. In, and Jesus came to set us free from that. That's why we can stand in the gift of the righteousness and the gift of truth that he has given us. So truth, write this down, 
is fixed. And it's fixed in the Word of God. It is not a feeling. I talked to somebody recently. And when I say recently, not while I've been here at this church. I talked to someone that says, I don't feel like being married anymore. And here was my counsel to them. Because I'm a pastor who is not a professional counselor, but I'm a pastor who straps on the belt of truth just like you do every day. And I said, your marriage and truth does not depend on how you feel. If you follow your feelings, you will wreck your life. You will wreak havoc in your family. You follow God's Word. And God's Word says you bow before Him. And God's Word says you love Him first. And God's Word says you love your wife as Christ loved the church. End of discussion. It's over. Now you say, now I got a lot of mercy, but I mix mercy with truth. Because if I'm going to wear the belt of truth, and if you're going to wear the belt of truth, you cannot follow your feelings. You must understand that truth is fixed. It is something that is outside of yourself, and it is fixed in the Word of God. And God handed His truth down, the eternal Word of God, which is the Spirit of the living God inside of us. So truth is not only a person, it's the written Word of God. So we wrap this belt of truth around our lives. And we live in a world that says, Whatever is true for you is true for you. And whatever is true for me is true for me. But that's just not what the Bible says. The Bible says truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That Jesus would dwell, John 1.14, in grace and truth. John 17.1, sanctify them, the prayer, by thy truth. So truth is a word. Truth is the gospel. Truth is not a feeling. Now here's where a lot of people take off the belt of truth. Listen, the belt of truth is a gift just like salvation is a gift. If you choose to take the belt of truth off, you open yourself up to all kinds of uh, demonic forces and all kinds of influences of Satan because the belt of truth is to be wrapped around you and it is to gird your loins. So we at Sagemont, if you're just wondering, we teach the truth about God's Word. It is not my opinion that matters. It is God's opinion that matters. And so if I say something and it's not of God, you dismiss it, throw it away, send me an email, I delete it, hopefully I'll get it right next week. But the truth is in God's Word. But here's where people, here's what Paul says. Take the gospel of truth, here's what he's saying here, stand therefore, gird your loins with truth, so we have to put on the truth. I know people who believe this book until they go through something hard, listen carefully, and then they find another way to interpret this truth. And they say things like, I have a dream. I've heard this one. I have a dream that I'm not happy in my marriage. So because I have a dream, I'm not going with the truth. I'm going with my feelings. And this person's not happy in their marriage, so they had the same dream that we should be together. So we're going to leave who we are because of a feeling, and your feelings will be fickle with you, and your feelings will lead you away to the truth. And they come up with another way to interpret the Scripture. So we have to be very careful that we don't bow before this world's way of fickle feelings and follow truth as a feeling because truth is a fact and truth is a person. And that truth is wrapped around my waist and is girding my loins. And when I determine that I'm going to walk in the truth of God's word, it means that I am surrendering moment by moment, step by step, knowing that God wrote this. I didn't write it, but I submit my life under the authority of God's word. Teenagers, 
I can save you a whole lot of pain in your life. I was one and I made a lot of mistakes because I decided to play outside the boundaries of what God said in his word. You don't have to make that mistake. Get in the word of God. Let the word of God get into you and obey your parents and do things right and ask God to work through you in a way according to his truth. This is the belt of truth and the belt of truth does not change. Guess guess what? If something is wrong between you and God, It's not God, it's you. It's me. Because when he settles it in his word, that's it. This is the truth of his word. So we are looking to the truth of God's word this morning. Some of you have believed a lie. And what Satan will do is he will deceive us. If he can't destroy us, he will deceive us. And he deceptively comes along and then all of a sudden people say, well, I don't believe the truth anymore. In fact, I saw that twice on uh, Facebook this week. Two guys that wrote songs said, I don't believe anymore. Can I tell you the truth? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. When you trust Christ as your personal Savior, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. You can't go back on what you did. Ha, huh, how's that for truth? You, oh, I don't believe the truth anymore. Listen, it doesn't matter whether you believe the truth anymore. The Bible says if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you are sealed, enveloped, put in an envelope for the day of redemption. You may not feel like following Jesus, but the truth doesn't change. How are you going to go back on a decision that you made to trust the God of the universe into your life? God cannot lie. And if you ask him to come in, he says, I will come in and take over. Even in the tough stuff. But here's what people do. When they want to follow their feelings, they leave the truth and they find some other way to interpret the Bible. I'm going to tell you how we interpret the Bible here. It is God's Word. It is active, living, and powerful. And we stand on the infallible, inerrant, and inspired Word of God, and that's it around here. It's the final authority. Not someone that teaches an iConnect class, not a pastor. It is the Word of God that's the final authority. You bet you. It's absolutely the Word of God. So here's what the truth of the Bible says. The truth of the Bible, and if we just go back in Ephesians, we can go back. The truth of the Bible shares with us who Jesus is. That's the truth about who Jesus is, that he came to be the savior of the world, that he came to rescue people from their sins, that he is the eternal one. He is the one who reigns above all things. The truth about Jesus is he is the son of God. So what Paul says in Ephesians is he tells us about the truth of who Jesus is. Now watch this. And then he takes that truth and tells us the truth about who we are in him who is all truth. Do you see it? Paul tells us the truth about who Jesus is, that Jesus takes dead people and brings them to life. So we hang on to the belt of truth and we say that's true of Jesus. But listen to me. What is true of Jesus is now true of me when I place my faith in Jesus. So here's what Satan will do. He will beat you up and tell you that you're not good enough. And he'll want you to believe the lie. And he will want to deceive you into thinking that you're no good, that you'll never amount to anything. All you have to do is go to Ephesians chapter 1. 
that I'm the inheritance of God. I've been predestined. I've been adopted as a son. I've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Chapter 2, I've been made from dead to life. Chapter 3, I've been strengthened in the inner man. Chapter 4, I'm a part of the body of Christ, and I can pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 5, he has filled me with the Holy Spirit of God, not only as a teenager, but in my marriage, wives who are filled with the Holy Spirit, husbands who are filled with the Holy Spirit, masters who are filled with the Holy Spirit, bond servants who are filled with the Holy Spirit. So Paul says, what is true of Jesus is now true of me because I'm found in him. That's the truth. That's what Paul says. So Jesus changes our reality And when he changes our reality about who we are, it changes the truth about you and about me. So when we make a mistake, we call it a sin. We don't call it a mistake. We call sin what it is. We confess that it's sin. And we repent and we turn and we go back to Jesus who is the fullness of truth, who is all in all. So that's what Paul says. If Satan can't get you to believe a lie about Jesus and about the truth of who Jesus is, he will get you to believe a lie about yourself. Some of you are living in a lie of deceit. You don't feel like God can use you. You don't feel like you're worth anything because you're going back to a decision that you made in high school or maybe you made before you were married or maybe you made in your marriage and you're going back and you're saying, I am believing the lie that I am no good, that I'll never measure up, that I'll never be anything for Christ. And what happened is Satan is getting you not to doubt what Jesus is and all that he's done, but he's getting you to doubt and he is being deceptive with you and you are believing hook, line, and sinker that you're not who you are in him. And what you need to do is confess and repent and turn and say, Jesus, you're beautiful, you're powerful, you're amazing. I'm going to believe the truth about who I am in you. Did you know that bats can't see? You can put a bat in a room, bats can't see. They rely on their instinct of hearing. You can put a bat in a room with furniture and fixtures all day long, they will never hit the furniture and fixtures because they rely on the hearing. They, they sense the density of what is around them. And the idea is when we stand in the truth of who Jesus is, when we start in the truth and we stand in the truth, when we stand in that truth, we have the ability to sense the density and all the evil that is around us and we believe the truth of who Jesus is. It's that belt that we have. So we have the truth of who Jesus is, and then we believe the truth of who Jesus is in us. Look at verse 14, the next part. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. This is the second piece of armor. Having put on. Notice that you, having girded your waist, having uh, Put on. So, so truth is a gift that comes with Jesus, but the idea of putting on that belt of truth. So the breastplate of righteousness is a gift that we have in Jesus because he imputes his righteousness and he imparts his righteousness to us, but we still have to put it on. And so it's the breastplate, that's what the text says, the breastplate of righteousness. Now notice, it's already there, but you have to put it on. It's already in place. No one makes themselves righteous in this room. 
You cannot make yourself righteous. You have to believe the perfect one. You have to believe the one who had perfect righteousness and perfect holiness and perfect obedience. So no one in here makes themselves righteous. That's not what Paul is saying. He is saying because you have been made righteous, the righteous gift, the strength of the gift that you have in you is the breastplate of righteousness. Now, if you're going to go to battle, you need to put this breastplate on. Not only do you need to strap the belt on, but you need to put the breastplate on. It would be like a leather pad laced with metal. And these soldiers would go to battle with this breastplate. So the idea is righteousness is on you because righteousness is in you. I can't make myself righteous. The Bible says we're as filthy rags. No one is righteous. No, not one. But when I place my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I deposit my faith into his life, then righteousness is not only on me, righteousness, listen to me, is in me. And righteousness is a gift from the Lord Jesus Christ. So the way that God looks at me is the way that he looks at his son. And the way that he looks at his son is in perfect obedience, perfect purity, and perfect holiness. So that's the way God looks at me. It's called the great exchange. So what happens is, when I live my life according to the truth, I have the righteous one, and I am controlled by the righteous one in me, and then sin, when I choose to sin, and you choose to sin, it's when, as if we take the breastplate off and we lay it aside and we accept truth as a feeling and we start to interpret the Bible some other way. And see, when you take the breastplate of righteousness off, that is your protection. Our protection is in Jesus Christ. So what we do when we sin, we lay aside, it would be the picture of laying aside the breastplate, which is Christ in us, and saying, no, I think I have a better way. Truth is a feeling. I think I'm going to follow my feelings. Paul says sin is like taking it off. So Satan has no control over Jesus, and Satan can have no control over us as we're wearing this breastplate of righteousness, but when we don't appropriate it by faith, then sin can run rampant. Now, let's talk about sin. Sin is missing the mark. Your sin and my sin, what we like to do is we like to hide it in darkness because that's where the father of lies, Satan, puts everything in the darkness. So if your sin is in the dark, that's because Satan wants to put you there and put him there in the midst of that sin because that's where it's concealed. If God reveals truth to you today, he is not going to deal with the darkness. He's going to reveal it to you in the light of the truth of his word. So if God brings a sin to your mind or to my mind, he operates in the revelation of light. So when God brings a sin to the light, the first thing we do is confess that we have sinned. That's what you do. That's how you win the victory is by confessing the Lord is God and he is true and we have decided to live apart from the power and the grace of Jesus Christ in our life. When we take what is a gift to us and in a picture we lay it aside and we pursue our own flesh. So sin is like taking it off. Policemen wear a protective garment on them, do they not? They have a protection around them. 
I read where kids um, that have some heart problems, in baseball, they put an apparatus around them to protect their vital organs and the heart. This is what Paul is saying. The breastplate of righteousness is protecting the heart. So when Satan shoots his best shot, it bounces off the breastplate. But if I'm dabbling over here in sin, then I'm not able to move toward the position that is already mine in Jesus Christ. So that's what the breastplate is. So the breastplate is Jesus Christ. And the way that you appropriate that gift is you walk by faith and you put it on, continually put it on, continually walk in the power that is yours in Jesus Christ. Now, let's notice the last part, verse 15. And having shod your feet, watch this, this is important. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Not only do we put on the belt of truth, not only do we put on the breastplate of righteousness, which is the perfect, obedient Son of God who died on the sin for me. So I look to the cross. I look to the empty tomb. I receive the free gift of salvation in Him. I wear that garment in my life so it protects me from the evil one. And then He says, but do something with your feet. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So the gospel of peace is the idea when we are at war with God. Sin is being at war with God. So when we decide that we don't want to be God any longer, we want Jesus to be the God of our life, then we surrender to the gospel of peace. And this gospel of peace allows us to put on shoes that make us immovable in our faith. Now that's what Paul's saying. Look at the text. So the preparation of the gospel of peace. The gospel of Jesus readies us for battle. And the first thing that it readies us for battle in is that we understand that in our soul is a battle. And the war is going on. And so what I do is I surrender my life to Jesus Christ and then therefore I'm no longer at war with him. I'm at peace with God. Go back to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14. Here's what Paul says. The gospel of readiness puts us with peace with God, puts our shoes and our cleats down in the ground. And here's what it says. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. We've already covered this. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of the commandments, contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Watch this. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only when you receive the gift of salvation by faith, you're at peace with God. But listen carefully you're also at peace with man. Did you get that? The people that you used to fight against, you now fight for. Because you are not in a battle against people. You're in a battle against an enemy who wants to take both of you out. So the gospel of peace not only brings you peace with God vertically, but it allows you to be at peace with man. Some of you are withholding forgiveness 
from somebody who is seeking forgiveness in your life. Somebody is seeking you out for you to forgive them and you are withholding forgiveness from them because you're thinking the battle is that person. The battle is not that person because when you allow Jesus to come into your life, that battle was won so you have peace with God. Therefore, you have peace with other people. That's what Paul's saying here in Ephesians. Look at the text. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So he's talking about fight the right enemy. So the gospel of redemption doesn't hold grudges. Do you know what the biggest problem in counseling is? People are at war with one another. How? Can you be at war with one another when the God of the universe, you and I were at war with Him and through His Son, through the forgiveness and the love and the grace that He offers, He makes peace with us through His Son. How can we be at war with anybody? How could we fight against anybody? We need to realize our real enemy is the devil. And he is trying to destroy relationships and some relationships in this room. And all God says to do in his word is stand. Stand. Do you remember Rocky? I got the whole trilogy. I think it was Rocky 1. Apollo Creed was ready to fight. He just wanted anybody to fight. He'd take anybody out. He, he said, I just want to fight somebody. So up comes Rocky. Rocky goes 15 rounds with Apollo Creed just because he's a body. And Rocky goes 15 rounds and Apollo Creed was supposed to knock him out. But what uh, uh, Rocky learned to do was just stand. Do you remember the next movie, Rocky II? You see, Rocky couldn't get a job because found out he's kind of a fighter. So he would try to do other stuff. He would try to, um, you know, open up businesses and stuff like that. And he'd try to do other stuff. And then he was going to go to Adrian. And you remember Adrian's kind of the turning point in the movie. And he's going to Adrian. And he's saying, Adrian, all I am is a fighter. That's all I am. And she said, don't you ever fight again. And, and, and he even tried to convince Polly, her brother. And Polly went over to, to Adrian and said, Adrian, you, d- you just need to let him fight. You need to let him fight. And then the next thing you know, um, she's in the hospital in a coma. And so Rocky's by her side. And you remember the story. Come on now, you remember what happened. So there's some Adrian. There's some Rocky. And Adrian wakes up from the coma, has the baby, everything's fine. And she says, go and fight. And he's like, this is what I'm made for. This is what I'm made for. So Apollo said, I'm going to fight him because he was really disappointed he didn't knock him out before the 15th round. So all Rocky had to do was get in the ring. And supposedly Apollo was saying, I'll take him out in the second round. He, he can't stand past the second round. Now stay with me here. It's going to make an application in our lives. So, so Rocky is standing and he's getting knocked out, and he's getting knocked around, and he goes another 15 rounds, another 15 rounds with Apollo. They sat in each corner. You know how it is. Ding, 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 and they're wiping off the blood, putting all the stuff on the face, and all they said to Apollo Creed is, listen, Apollo, 
Do not make yourself vulnerable. He is not going to be able to survive this round. Don't go toe-to-toe with him. Just jab a little bit. Protect your body. Well, Apollo had in his mind, I'm going to take him out. I need to take him out for my ego. So what happened was Apollo went. He started fighting. He started pounding on Rocky. They both ended up going down. You remember the story. They both hit the mat at the same time. And then the uh, ring announcer, the referee's going, one, two, three, four. There's a little bit of wiggle. There's a little bit of movement. Apollo's trying to get up. Rocky's trying to get up. And he goes, seven, eight, nine. And all of a sudden, he counted down all the way. And you know all that Rocky did? Listen to me very carefully. Do you know what Rocky did? All he did in order to win the victory was stand. He just got up. Can I tell you something this morning? For those of us in this room, we need to be found faithful standing in the Word of God with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace. That's how we stand. Let's be found faithful in a transition time. A pastor who's been faithful for 53 years. We've never been here before. What are we going to do? Guess what? That's not the right question. The right question is, are we going to be standing and found faithful to put the belt around us, the breastplate, and the shoes so that we can be immovable people? Jesus Christ is the shepherd of this church. Brother John has was been the under-shepherd. And, and so we're just looking to the chief shepherd to give us direction during this time. And we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. So we just keep standing. And when we've done everything to stand, let's just stand some more. So if you feel like throwing it in on your marriage, if you feel like throwing it in on the church, if you feel like throwing it in on the job, could you just go back to this word and say, Paul says stand. He says stand. Some of you need to stand. You need to stand. Do you know what my temptation is? I'll be, I'll be, I'm real with you in here. As much pain as in my heart and as much joy that's in my heart too, Sometimes I can lean too much into what I feel and not go to the fact of God's Word. When I read His Word, and, my, and the Bible says in Psalms, it says, my tears have been my food all day and all night. I know that. I know that. My wife knows that. But I'm telling you, we have to focus on what has already been done for us, and we can't think something's been done to us. But the enemy would want to get me off track and want to get you off track because of some circumstance or situation when all we have to do is stand together in the truth of God's Word. We love you here at Sagemont. Here's how I want to close. Some of you in this room, you're fighting a battle because you're in charge of your life. Jesus Christ today is saying to you, would you bow before me and would you confess your sins before me? And would you repent and turn and put your faith into me? Because what salvation is, is it's repenting and confessing your dependence upon God Almighty for the finished work of your salvation in Jesus Christ. And some of you today can stand if you'll stand in Jesus Christ. And if you want to make a decision to trust Christ today, 
just receive the free gift. And when we dismiss in a moment, go to our Connection Center. There's people there waiting to visit with you. They're here to hear your story, but they're here to tell you, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how many times you've been knocked down, God still has a plan for your life, and He still loves you, and He still wants to forgive you, and He wants to place His beautiful life into your life so that you can move forward in your life and not stop living in the past, but start living for the future hope of glory in Jesus Christ. You can make that decision today by simply bowing before Him in your heart. Some of you need to do that. We welcome you to go to our Connection Center. Others of you in this room, you're a Christian like me, but our feelings are fickle, and our feelings aren't fixed. We're the belt of truth, it's fixed. Could we make a commitment today as a church, as the body of Christ, as people under the authority of God's Word, that we're going to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from us. Submit to God comes before the resisting. In fact, when you submit, you've just said no. When you've said yes, you've said no to this. You've said no to your flesh. You've said no to Satan. You submit, therefore, to God. God can do miracles in your life. He can put a marriage back together that's actually far gone. He is that big, but it takes two people willing to confess that they've been doing things their way, and God says, you're going to do things my way? I'll put it back together. In your job, God can put it back together. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we come, just these two verses, incredible truth, incredible truth about the belt of truth. The present of righteousness, the breastplate that's been given to us as a gift. And then the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace. That not only do we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, but we have peace with man because of the peace that happened on the cross. Our enemy is not somebody else. We don't fight against people. We fight for people because we're not in a battle against one another. We're in a battle that readies us to be ready with the armor of God and we put on the Lord Jesus Christ and we stand. Speak to people that need to stand today, Lord, and let them stand in your truth. Let this truth not leave them today so they can be enveloped in your love and enveloped in your grace. And if you're here this morning and you feel like you've messed up, too much. I have great, good, a blessing news to you. God forgives all sin and he wipes it clean and chooses not to bring it up anymore so that you and I can have complete forgiveness and the fullness of his life and experience truth and grace every day of our lives. God, do something amazing in our church. The future is yours. The church is yours. The people are yours. We just want to stand in your truth. And everybody said, Amen.